What is going on? Welcome to the show. Pete Callender here. News Talk 1110 wbt Happy Halifax Resolves Day. 246 years ago, the Halifax Resolves passed at the meeting of the 4th Provincial Congress. I'll get into more of that later on in the program. It's a pretty big deal here in North Carolina. Also, six weeks until the primary. So I want to welcome back to the program Dallas Woodhouse from the Carolina Journal. You can read his work at carolinajournal.com. Hey, Dallas, how are you? Listen to Pistol Pete breaking out the history <laughs> on some Halifax Resolve. Now that, that's being the man, Pete. I, I can't be the man because you're the man. I that thought you might appreciate like that. I thought you might appreciate that. All right. So uh, you said uh, Ted Budd had a really good week. Uh, were you? Uh, did you attend the, the rally uh, for him and uh, with Donald Trump in Selma? I did not. I was at a flag football game with my oldest son. Ah, well, that's a good priority. <laughs> so, <Yeah. laughs> uh, all right, so Congressman Ted Budd, uh, you say this is his second best week of the primary election. So, for, well, what was the first best week he had? Well, I said that the uh, first week was, um, uh, you know, the week at the state convention last year when um, Donald Trump in, in, endorsed uh, Ted, um, and I think, you know, that started the ball rolling for him. I, I, I think the interesting part is that the endorsement uh, from the former president is, yeah, it's important to a lot of voters. Um, it's not dispositive to most voters, but with Ted Budd, that opened the floodgates to money from an outside group known as Club for Action, who is um, heavily supporting three candidates in North Carolina, along with um, Bo Hines, who is from the Charlotte area, but running up here in in the uh, 13th, which is an open congressional seat and North Carolina's most competitive. Uh, as well as Madison Cawthorn. Um, uh, as of the 1st of March, um, the Club for Growth Action had put in, you know, $4 million or so, but, you know, that was from June uh, through March. And the last series of public polls had been done in late January, February, where there had been a lull in the advertising. Mm-hmm. And... Um, I, it's a little hard, even as long as I've been in this business, to conceptualize, you, you know, big figures and money and, and the difference it makes. But the Club for Growth announced in mid-March, and they'd actually started at the beginning of March to spend $10 million in two and a half months, which, two and a half months, which is an enormous amount of money, um, and especially in a primary um, and that, as of right now, is the deposited difference in the race. So the Trump endorsement opened the spigot for the Club for Action, Club for Growth, right? That's so. So essentially, they're connected. Um, yes, I think that that's that's okay. And so, do you think that that's having? I mean, I'm looking at the polling, and uh, it looks like. And I'm not one who focuses on individual polls. I don't you know, like do a running daily uh, look at an individual poll that came out today or anything. I look at the trend lines, and it looks like the trends are positive for Bud and not so great for McCrory. Right, and 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 I don't think that that's any surprise. I mean, McCrory has been on the. Um, uh, 
you know, on the receiving end of just a pounding. And, you know, McCrory and um, and Mr. Bud are, are raising about the same amount of money in what we call hard dollars and money's directly to candidates, which, of course, are limited to like $2,900 a person in the primary. You know, they'll each, you know, raise a million or a million and a half. I mean, so that's kind of a wash. Mm-hmm. Um, and, of course, it would take Bud, who was not very well known at the beginning of this, a lot more resources to have beaten McCrory. Uh, but McCrory has just not been able to uh, respond, and nobody has um, sort of come to his defense. Now, of the three major candidates, I know them all personally. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I think they're all fine men. I think they would all do do well in the U.S. Senate. You know, I, I, I don't think there would probably be a dramatic difference in how they vote in the U.S. Senate. Mm-hmm. Um, um, but I, I think that this one particular organization, which has fixed itself to Trump, and Club for Action for a lot of times was known for kind of trying to pick the most conservative candidate um, and, and that sort of thing. In, in some of the races, that has switched to picking the most Trump candidate. Um, uh, and, and look, you just, you know, there's a reason... People advertise on your radio station and the connected TV station to it, mm-hmm. right? It works. And if you put enough of it on, um, it, 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 it makes a difference. I do think that Congressman Bud, who um, I am presuming has done a pretty good job of convincing the side of the party, the people with money that are somewhat wary of Trump's influence in the U.S. Senate, um, uh, people maybe in the McConnell world, maybe not him personally, but people on that side, I think he, 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 he apparently has done a pretty good job of convincing folks um, that, 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 that they can do business with him. He may be supported by the president, but, um, you, you know, but, you, you know, he's, he, he's not as challenged as somebody like a Madison Coughlin, so to speak. Right. And that, and this was one of the things I remember at the very beginning of the campaign, which was that McCrory had very high name recognition. And so his approval numbers seemed like there wasn't a lot of room to grow there, whereas Bud, relatively unknown throughout the rest of the state, um, that he did have a lot of ground that he could make up because he wasn't well known. And then there you go, kick in the you know $10 million from uh, Club for Action. And if you can allay those concerns that people have about him, and then they look at the polling that shows Bud could beat Sherry Beasley, whereas McCrory apparently may have a bit uh, of a harder time doing that. Yeah, then it I puts see, him I'm at ease. Little, I, I, now, I'm personally a little, I, while I think the poll reflected that, let's remember that the only person that has had any significant advertising put against him is McCrory. Right. So if McCrory were to be the nominee, it, you know, it's not as if Sherry Beasley wouldn't have all kinds of stuff pinned to her. Uh, the Republicans are, um, you know, are much more motivated. You know, they are winning the unaffiliated voters. Um, I, I personally think that that any of those people would, would would likely beat Beasley. But on the other hand, if your argument is that you're the most electable, uh, I think I, I, I think the I think the worst that Biden is doing, and unfortunately, it's when Biden is doing this bad. It's, it's because the country's doing bad. Yeah. Um, I, I, you know, I, I, I think um, that it's a harder argument to make 
that that only one candidate is is primed to win this in, in the fall. So in some ways, just the utter collapse of the Biden administration has probably not worked into um, to Pat's favor. On, on the other hand, I think there's a lot of Republicans that that do look back on Mr. McCrory finally. He, you know, I mean, McCrory had to do something, you know, no other living person has has done. And that is manage a vicious left side of the political stratosphere, and have a um, a party of the same party in the legislature, which makes for a lot of difficulties. And if you look at if you look at um, Governor Cooper, what, what what has happened with Governor Cooper? He has accomplished very little in his time, and is almost certainly to finish his eight years as governor with very few legislative accomplishments. And even though there was a Republican legislature, I think if he had chosen to work with them some, it didn't have to be that way. On the other hand, when you have a legislature of the other party, it keeps, you know, it's pretty good for you politically. Right. He's raised and, a lot of money. Yeah. He's raised, he's raised a lot of money, and they've kept him from doing things that, um, you know, have have angered the voters and... Um, you know, you, you have to sort of disqualify before you move on and select somebody else. And, and so anyway, I, I, um, I don't think it's over. Uh, Pat is, you know, a well-known commodity. There's a long ballot, but, um, you have to be feeling pretty good if you're, uh, Mr. Bud at, at this point. Yeah. Dallas Woodhouse, carolinajournal.com. Read his work there. Dallas, always good to talk with you. Thanks for your insight. News Talk 1110-993 WBT. Thanks again to Dallas Woodhouse from Carolina Journal. CarolinaJournal.com, his latest piece, Ted Budd's Really Good Week. He covers a lot of ground. We touched on uh, some of the high points in the interview there, but uh, so I encourage you to go read the piece at Carolina Journal. Also, our newsroom is following what's gone on up in uh, New York City. Uh, there are no known explosive devices on any of the subway trains up there. As far as I can tell, there are no deaths in the attack that occurred on a subway train. There's, uh, I think the last count I saw was 16 injured, and they are looking for the suspect. But uh, WBT News will have an update in about another six minutes or so, so stay tuned for that. Um, there was one other thing that occurred during the uh, president's rally in North Carolina the other day that I thought was surprising, which was the endorsement of Ted Budd by Lieutenant Governor Mark Robinson, who said, quote, I throw all of my weight and all of my support behind Representative Ted Budd, who's going to be the next senator for North Carolina Back in 2018, when I met Congressman Budd, he stood as one of the people I admired most in this because he was an individual who never compromised his beliefs. He stood strong as a conservative, and he's a strong Christian. Which, why is that surprising? Because Mark Walker has been courting uh, Mark Robinson's endorsement from the beginning, They've appeared together at various places. They are they get along. They're friendly. And so I I did not expect Robinson to even make an endorsement in the primary. Um, 
but he did at this uh, at this event. And I actually heard uh, Bo Thompson and uh, Beth Troutman on Good Morning BT. They were uh, interviewing Mark Walker this morning, and um, they asked him about uh, some of this stuff. So I'll play that interview as well after the uh, bottom of the hour news and let you hear that if you haven't already heard it. The Trump endorsement of Ted Budd a couple months back at the beginning of the primary that Dallas Woodhouse mentioned, it introduced Bud to Republican voters in the Tar Heel state. But most importantly, he says it opened the door to millions in paid advertising from groups aligned with Trump. Bud now leads the pack in the Republican primary for the U.S. Open or the U.S. Senate seat in North Carolina, which is open according to the latest Civitas poll of likely GOP voters that was released on uh, Thursday. Bud won 32% support compared to 21% uh, support for Governor McCrory. And then Walker is down around 7%. Marjorie Eastman, fourth with 1%. But 39% of the electorate remains undecided. So there's a lot of room for any of these candidates to pick up or close a lead, right? 39% is still available. Um, now, if you cut the ballot down to just the top four candidates, Bud gets a little bit better, 34%. McCrory gets a little bit better at 24%. Walker picks up uh, a couple percentage points. He's at 10. Same with Eastman. So, And then 30% were left undecided. So they all pick up, you know, two to three points apiece. Nothing really uh, that uh, that changes any of the the overarching trend. But what's happening is, as I mentioned, the individual polls are less uh, interesting to me than the trend lines. And what the trend line shows is McCrory getting hammered and his numbers are dropping. And Bud has his numbers increasing. And that's why Dallas said you'd rather be Ted Bud at this stage because He's on the upswing. McCrory's on the downswing. There was another poll here, though, that uh, it was over on the Democrat side. WRAL talks about it. I'll, I'll get to that after the news as well. That was kind of surprising. That was about Democrats. News Talk 1110-993-WBT, 704-570-1110, 1-800-WBT-1110. You can also email Pete at thepetecalendarshow.com. Um, and, oh, and get the podcast, of course. It's free. We take the commercials out, and you just get all of the pure, distilled Pete in podcast form. And it's just one, one run-through. It's like half hour. And each hour of the show is its own podcast. So boom, boom, boom. They come right in after the uh, each hour is done. It's very convenient. Go to WBT.com and then follow me on uh, the podcast page there. All right. So uh, WRAL, they published the results of a poll, but they won't give us access to the cross tabs or methodology, which is always kind of sus. That's the hip term that the kids are using for suspicious. It's sus. Anyway. The poll shows Beasley with 37% support among 523 likely Democratic primary voters. Say that again. And as I go, as I mentioned, I'm not one to focus a lot on an individual poll 
But this number and the the uh, the lack of uh, transparency in the WRAO uh, poll uh, uh, cross tabs and methodology. The cross tabs are the things in the back. So the sections in the back of the poll where you can see the questions and it has it broken down so you can actually see how the the polling was done. Questions that were asked. You can see the different demographic breakdowns because a lot of times when people uh, and organizations put these polls into the field, if they get some results they don't like, they may withhold those results. And that's, again, sus. (laughs) It's suspicious. It's suspect. It's dirty. You shouldn't do it. You should just produce. Here are the full cross tabs. Everybody can see everything in the back of the uh, the survey. But WRAL hasn't done that. Not sure why. But this stat is kind of surprising and makes me wonder. It makes me wonder about the legitimacy of this poll. 37% support among Sherry Beasley. She is the only candidate in the Democratic Party race, right? The Erica Smith bailed, Jeff Jackson bailed, although it looks like his consolation prize from the two judges with the robes uh, is going to be a congressional seat uh, here in Charlotte. 523 likely Democratic primary voters. That's the right group you want to be talking to, by the way, the likely primary Democrat primary voters, not just registered voters, not adults. See, like I don't care about any of those polls. Unless it's something about, like, a cultural issue, then I care about what adults think or registered voters think. But simply being a registered voter doesn't tell me anything because if you don't ever vote, being registered doesn't matter. Your opinion doesn't matter. If you're not going to go vote, then I don't care what you have to – really, like, as far as polling goes. But if you're a likely primary voter – That means something. It means you vote in primaries. You've previously voted in primaries. You have every intention of voting in this primary. And so 37% supporter. That's it. I think there are some other people running in the primary. There are some no-name people, whatever, and they're down at like 4%. But half of the respondents say they're undecided. How (laughs) How are half of these voters undecided after all of the... Didn't she get an she got an endorsement from Obama already, didn't she? Didn't she pick up that? Half undecided in the Democrat primary. That's odd. Here's another reason I'm a little sus on this poll. The margin of error is five points. That's kind of high. You kind of want to see these polls to be somewhere in the neighborhood of about plus or minus three. Plus or minus five means that you're starting to get further away from accurate. And the fact that they're not showing us the cross tabs now, my radar has gone crazy on them. Well, and the fact that it's WRAL. So, yes, just by default, I'm suspicious of them. But the WRAL poll, which was done by Survey USA, I believe. Yeah, Survey USA. It was online, which has limitations, but nowadays that's where you got to go. That's where people are. The results show 33% for Bud, McCrory with 23. Walker with seven. So that's in line with the poll that um, Civitas did as well. And they were looking at likely GOP voters. So I, I, it doesn't look good for McCrory. Now, um, again, this is, an, uh, this is the result of what Dallas Woodhouse calls an unprecedented multi-million dollar spending spree 
from Club for Growth Action. The club, as it's known in political circles, spent $4 million in the early months of the campaign and announced in the middle of March that it would spend an additional $10 million to support Bud in the final eight weeks of the primary campaign. A spokesman for the Club for Growth Action told WRAL last week that the group had already spent $8.4 million since the start of the election cycle to bolster Ted Bud's prospects. The organization plans to spend at least $5.6 million more by the May uh, 17th primary. Um, there's also a CBS, The Hill, Emerson College poll that found Bud with the support of 38% of likely voters in the primary and that he would be favored in a head-to-head election against Sherry Beasley in November. Um, rural voters break for Bud. The McCrory campaign uh, does better in urban areas than Ted Budd does, which is that shouldn't be surprising, right? The McCrory campaign is focused on McCrory's electability in November. However, according to the Emerson poll, Bud would beat Beasley. Walker would also maybe beat her. But Beasley leads McCrory 43 to 41. But to Dallas Woodhouse's point, he's the only one. McCrory is. He's the only one that has been subjected to the kind of negative ad campaign that the Club for Growth has been uh, has been engaged in. Uh, what else? McCrory said that, quote, the independent vote is going to help determine this election. We think the election is going to be a dead heat. He said his pathway to the nomination runs through moderate Republicans and registered unaffiliated voters who may like Trump's policies but dislike his behavior and the hardline conservatives Trump supports. The WRAL News poll shows the former governor performs best with men, younger adults, and residents in urban areas, including the surrounding Charlotte area. Ted Budd dominates the pack across nearly all demographic groups. He does best with women, residents in rural communities, adults who are at least 65 years old, and North Carolinians who identify further right ideologically. One other thing I heard, um, President Trump, former President Trump at the rally the other day in North Carolina, I think he called, um, he, he made reference to the, the bathroom governor or something. He started ripping on um, McCrory for the HB, for signing HB2 into law. Now, Trump expressed opposition to HB2 back when it was passed. I don't know if people remember this. But he said, you know, what are you doing this for? And he, he was criti- uh, criticizing McCrory and the state of North Carolina for doing HB2 back then. But, and I covered this at the time, and I don't want to offend Trump supporters, but it was obvious in watching his comments and reading his comments in the interview that and when I just went back and reread them again, he didn't understand what was going on in the city of Charlotte. He didn't understand what prompted the state law. He just didn't like the state law because it was creating this cultural issue. And, it, and, and he, he, you know, as a business guy, he's like, why can't you just go back to the way it was? Why, why has it got to change? Why are you doing all of this? He didn't understand that the city of Charlotte passed an ordinance that forced the issue, right? This is how it always goes. The progressives are always, you know, on offense, trying to change the culture, try to, uh, trying to undermine institutions, tearing down this part of postmodernism. And so then the reaction was HB2. Now, what I found interesting on this was that the author of HB2 is Dan Bishop. He wrote the thing. 
McCrory signed it, yes. The legislature, they approved it, yes. Dan Bishop wrote it, and he's a club for growth guy. But here's the other thing. Lieutenant Governor Mark Robinson is out at the churches every Sunday, and he's talking about transgenderism. Do you think Mark Robinson would not have signed HB2? Come on. So, like all these people that are beating up on McCrory over HB2, I mean, that might play better in a general. I don't know if it's going to play so well in the uh, in the uh, primary, in the GOP primary. <laughs> News Talk 1110-993-WBT, 704-570-1110. I will get to the Biden inflation stuff today. Uh, that's coming up. But... Um, the North Carolina Senate race. Your Ted Budd now leads, looks like, in the uh, the polling that is now uh, coming out over the last few days. The trend line is for Budd. McCrory is down. Walker still trails in third place. Um, Mark Walker put out a statement yesterday. And it said, we are grateful for all the encouraging calls and messages from voters across the state after Saturday's rally. Saturday's rally was when the president was in town for Ted Budd. This past week, I was offered several deals to get out of the U.S. Senate race with the condition I would be a surprise guest at Saturday's rally to appear on stage and then endorse Mr. Budd as the best candidate in the race. If I accepted the terms, I would be praised, he put that in quote, I would be praised by a couple of the speakers for being a, quote, great conservative. Because that's what a great conservative does, right? A great conservative bends the knee, right? Or no? I didn't play this game in D.C., he says, and I won't do it now. I refused their offer. I would be disingenuous if I did not acknowledge I am somewhat disappointed by Saturday's events, but I am undeterred. My faith is intact. I am blessed with the prayers of the people, and I am at peace with my decision to fight for North Carolinians and win the nomination to be your next United States senator. May God provide the path forward. Joe Bruno at WSOC-TV got a response from a senior advisor for Ted Budd, who said, quote, We had zero outreach to Walker. What I heard was some folks friendly to him think he looks pitiful and we're trying to figure out a way for him to get out of the race while saving face and hopefully preserve political viability for 2024. So the Bud campaign says they didn't make any overtures. There was no outreach. Walker says he was offered several deals offered several deals to get out of the U.S. Senate race. All you have to do is endorse Bud, and you'll be a great conservative again. And then we'll back you next time around. By way of some background here, I feel the need to point this out again, that there was reportedly a deal between Bud and Walker initially that Walker says there was. Walker said that they had had conversations, and when they had the redistricting going on, uh, they knew it was coming, and so Walker and Bud were going to get double bunked. They were going to get they were going to have to run against each other. So they said, uh, "Well, how about Bud? You run in the Congress, you run for re-election, 
Walker was going to go run for Senate. That's why he didn't run for re-election to the U.S. Congress. He basically launched his Senate campaign at that point and started amassing uh, all of these endorsements. And then Bud turned around and ran for U.S. Senate, jumped into the race. That's the story. That's the rumor. I think it's been reported, actually. So this would not be the first time that something like this has occurred or has been alleged to occur, right? And look, I don't know. I don't know if there was any kind of deal offered. I'm in the same position you are. You got these people that are making these public comments. And what really happened? I don't know. Did somebody communicate poorly? Was there some miscommunication about what was actually being offered at whose behest and all that? I don't know. But it doesn't look good. That's for sure. And the concern that the Bud camp has always had is that Walker is going to play spoiler and leave a center lane, essentially, for McCrory. That if Walker stays in, he siphons the more grassrootsy, conservative, Trump, uh, populist kind of voters, that he siphons those away from Ted Budd. And in doing so, they split the support. McCrory ends up with enough support to win. Now, I think that might have been more of a plausible concern when McCrory was leading. He had the highest name ID. Ted Budd hadn't been endorsed by uh, uh, President Trump at the early stages. And so uh, it was hard to say what might actually happen. But if Ted Budd is already up at around 32, 33 percent, and you still have another 30 percent that are undecided at this point, seems like that should not be really a concern because you only need 30 percent in order to avoid a runoff. So if he can clear, you know, 33 percent, 34 percent even, and McCrory comes in under that, it's not going to matter. Every, it's like You just got to get over 30 percent to avoid a runoff. All right. After the news, we'll play Mark Walker. He was on with Bo Thompson and Beth Troutman this morning on WBT. We'll play that audio and take a listen to uh, his description of what transpired or didn't. Up next on News Talk 1110 99.3 WBT. WBT.